You ready to move on from repentance? <laughs> I actually had a couple of conversations after last Sunday. Um, uh, answering questions. I've had numbers of those conversations. But answering questions about the, a lifestyle of repentance. So does a lifestyle of repentance mean that I just am sad about myself all the time? lifestyle of repentance is always focused on the other. How many of you, uh, if, if, not, if not now, but you can at least confess there was a time that when someone uh, says to you, you're doing something harmful to me, you become very sort of self-focused. You know what I'm talking about? Someone says, you do this and I don't like it, it hurts me, and you become either... Uh, defensive or um, uh, maybe feeling bad for yourself, but that's all about me, right? That's me responding to information about me. Repentance is when the Lord brings something to my attention without severing relational contact, addressing that thing that is between us because I care so much about him, right? It's not self-focused, it's towards the Lord. So what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks is we are going to uh, take some time and look at the person towards whom our repentance is directed. Uh, we're going to take some time and look at the person of Christ. Does that sound like a good plan? I mean, it's church after all, right? <clears throat> we're going to take some time and remember the amazing, the wonderful the incomprehensibly glorious Son of God. Psalms 18.3, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So this is what's going to happen the next uh, three Sundays as we talk about Christ. You're going to hear me talk in a way at times that doesn't resonate with your own experience in your own relationship with Christ. Um... You, you need to hear, hear my heart when I say this. Um, I'm not at the same place in my relationship with Christ that, that many of you are. Is that fair? <clears throat> As you grow in your relationship with Christ, your experience of valuing him, treasuring him, loving him will grow. And you can't... Uh, you can't skip over uh, the process of the heart, the growth of the mind and the will towards loving Jesus. And so as I talk about uh, the supreme worth of Christ, how valuable he is to me and to you and to us, there'll be a couple of moments where you think, man, I just don't value him that way. And I want you to know, yeah, sometimes I don't either. We're all on the way, right? But remember, and we're not going to revisit this, but remember, when you have that thought, what's the first step? Repentance in the context of unsevered fellowship. I realize I don't love you as much as I want to. I want to cherish you more. I want to value you more. I want to honor you more. So you track with that? 
So, I began my study. Uh, this week we're talking about the worthiness of Jesus. I began my study, as I often do, with a, with a word study. You guys know what a word study is? You pick a word. Do we have that up on the screen? I want to show you a cool trick. Uh, next one. There it is. Uh, I use Blue Letter Bible. This is like kind of a little behind the scenes, uh, my own preparation process. I use blueletterbible.org, which is an unbelievably uh, sophisticated um, Bible study tool. By sophisticated, I don't actually mean complicated. I just mean it has a lot, um, a lot of amazing tools as you get comfortable. But here's a cool thing that maybe you didn't know. And if you want to do a root word search, so you go to Blue Letter Bible, I want to search a word and see where that word is used in Scripture. If you want to do a root word search, you type in the root word with that little asterisk. Is that what it's called? Asterisk? Little star thingy? Yeah. Uh, and it will do a root word search, which means it will find any uh, word with that as its root. So it will give you uh, results for worthy or worthless or worthiness. You track with that? So I did a little study, um, and again, this is uh, my common practice. I'll pick some key words, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to survey Scripture. I'm looking for passages that talk about the worth of Christ, and I actually, because I'm talking about uh, Christ today, I want to focus in um, on the New Testament. I did not find what I anticipated that I would find. Let me give you just a real quick survey of what I found. Matthew 10, 13, Jesus sends out his disciples to go preach the word, and he says, if the house is worthy, give it your blessing of peace, and if it's not worthy, take your blessing from that place. Matthew 10, 37, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy worthy of me. Matthew 10, 38, he who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Luke 15, 21, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. This is talking about the, the prodigal son. I have sinned against heaven in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. John 1.27, John the Baptist, he who comes after me, speaking of Jesus, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. Ephesians 4.1, Paul speaking, therefore I, a prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy. Philippians 1.27, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy. Almost all the uses of this, my key term for my study about Jesus in the New Testament are actually talking about you and me. But I don't want to talk about us anymore. I want to talk about Christ. <laughs> so there was one little story, there's one little parable that used the word uh, worthy. Um, that uh, honestly just kind of like stuck with me for a little bit and, and kind of haunted me a little bit. Is that fair? I mean, not that the scripture is scary, 
but it does scare me sometimes. <laughs> and so I read this story, and it might be one that you're familiar with. It's actually in two places. It's in, in Luke 14 and Matthew 22. And basically the story goes like this. It says that there was a king who was throwing a banquet, and he invited uh, some guests. In fact, he sent his servants out to tell his guests, you're invited to this banquet, this party thrown by the king. And the story says that um, the response that the servant got was, uh, I, I'm actually, um, I'm super busy right now. I'm sorry. Um, in fact, it says that one of them said, you know what, I actually just bought some land and I need to go. I have an appointment at the title office that, that evening and so I'm not going to be available. And then the next one said, you know, I, I, uh, I bought five cows recently and you know how cows are. Uh, I've been just really busy caring for my five cows uh, so I'm not going to be available. And then another one says, uh, this is my favorite, uh, I just got married. I have a wife now, and, you know, <laughs> so I won't be doing much. No, I'm, just kidding. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to be available. Luke and Matthew actually tell the same story, but they both add in details that the other one misses. And one of the details is, is that after receiving these sort of like, um, I'm too busy responses, it says that the remaining people who were invited uh, <laughs> killed the messengers. Which, I mean, if you don't want to go to the party, that's fine, right? <laughs> we love our mailmen, and you should not harm them. But what's interesting about this story, and this is why I found it troublesome, is that the, the group of uh, people who murdered the messenger and the group of people who were too busy for the party are all actually lumped into the same category by the king. And this is what he says, Matthew 22, 8. This is the king speaking. He says, then he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready those who were invited were not worthy. Wait, I thought we were going to talk about Jesus. Yeah, I thought we were going to talk about Jesus. We're going to get there. There is a whole uh, body of literature today current on the topic of self-worth. And, and, and I'm not going to stand here and say that it's an irrelevant or unimportant topic. In fact, uh, I believe it's very important. <clears throat> but one of the, the, the areas or the ways that I find myself in disagreement with a lot of that literature boils down to how we find a reference point by which I can establish my own worth. You understand what I'm saying? How do I, how do I decide my worth? 
How do I come to a conclusion about my worth? Um, you tell me that I am worthy. How do you know? You tell me I'm worthless. How do you know? The king says, uh, they're not coming to the party, not because they're too busy. They're not coming to the party because they are not worthy. They are not of sufficient worth. Isn't that an interesting like, assessment? I puzzled over that. So what does worth mean? What is worth? What does the term mean? Well, a simple definition uh, is an assigned value equivalent. Something is worth its assigned value. Um, you guys know my pickup? You guys know my truck? Um, I, <laughs> yeah. I bought that pickup eight years ago. Um, I didn't really like it then. Shortly after I bought it, I got ran into over on Ocean Drive. Um, you wouldn't believe it, but that damage right there totaled that truck. <laughs> that, is a, that is a total loss vehicle. I bought it back from the insurance company seven years ago for $500. <laughs> I want that truck to stop working. So that before God, with a clean conscience, I can get a new one. <laughs> now the next picture, that is my $50,000 Suburban. I get paid a ton. That's how I can afford it. My wife and I bought a $50,000 Suburban last summer to rent it through the Turo app uh, to make a little side hustle income, and it actually did really well. Um, my Suburban is now totaled. <laughs> uh, one of my renters uh, a few weeks ago got hit very hard from behind on the highway. <sighs> Go back, Scott, if you could. Worthless. Now scroll forward. Next picture. $50,000. So you track with what worth means, right? Um, one of the indications of worth is I felt a little more sad when my suburban was crushed than I did when my truck was crushed. Um, I have imagined my truck getting crushed. <laughs> what the Matthew story, that parable that I just told you, is showing us is some options for how you can establish your own worth. How you can establish your own assigned value equivalent. Now track with me. This field, I bought this field. So, 
uh, this field needs my attention. This property that I bought is what I value most. I appreciate the invitation. This is more important to me. So my time is worth that field. That's my value. The field is my value. You track with that? I bought these five cows. I need to care for these five cows. I do not have time to say yes to the invitation to the king's banquet because I have decided that these five cows are my greatest value. Okay, so your life is worth what? Five cows. This new wife of mine is, to me, now, more valuable. Tending to her is more valuable than saying yes to the invitation to the king. Uh, so that's my value. My life is worth the value of my wife. Now, we're going to address this in a little bit, but when, I, when we wander into that territory, some of you start to question, wait a minute, are you saying I shouldn't value my wife? You should love your wife, and you should value her. I'm going to clean that up here in a little bit. Psalms 4.2, how long will you love what is worthless? We all establish our value through some particular channel, something that, we, that, that gives our life a sense of value. We talked about our idols recently. Maybe for you it's something else that gives your life value. Maybe it's not um, your business endeavors or your finances that give your life a sense of value. You've attached your value to them. Maybe it's not your marriage. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's, your, maybe it's your intellectual capacity. Maybe it's your beauty. Maybe it's your uh, notoriety. But here is what's true, and this is what I think the parable is getting at. Again, stay with me here. Whatever gives your life value is also what assigns your life's value. Whatever gives your life value is also what assigns your life's value. If, if the greatest value of my life, the thing that means the most to me, and I, again, stay, I don't mean what your brain tells you is true. I mean what my life shows me is true. What my life shows me is most important. Your life right now, if you were to lay out the activities of your life for the last two weeks, I could give you a flawless report on your values. It would be precisely accurate. It would tell you and I what's important to you. Whatever gives your life value is what assigns your life's value. If money is the most important thing to me, it's the thing that I value the most, then my life is worth whatever amount of money that is. I've assigned my value to it. What you value most is the value of your life. Now, when we take something like money... I think it's, for most of you here in the room, it's easy to see that there's no dollar amount that, you can, that can give your lives more value, right? But if money is your value and you're a Christian, 
That makes sense because would you not want the king of the universe to help you along the way of getting what you value most? Wealth. But let's say you find your value in uh, parenting or your marriage. That's the most valuable thing to you. It's what you've given your life for. So the value of your life is your children or your spouse. And of course, again, if you're a Christian, you would want the Lord with you to help you succeed in that, right? To, to, to achieve what you value most. And God says, you are not worthy. What he's actually saying is that the value that you've assigned your life is too low. You've assigned your value, and it's exceedingly too low. You have said, this is the value of my life. These people, this accomplishment, this acknowledgement, this affirmation, whatever it is, that's that's what I value, and so that is the value of my life. And Jesus says, the value that you have assigned your life is too low. Some of you may say, well, that's not fair. My life has great value. Other people, I've given my life to others. They have great value take you back to the passage I read in that list in the beginning, Matthew 10, 37. He says, if any of you loves your, your parents, your spouse, your brother, your sister, your son, or your daughter, if any of you places a value on those relationships uh, greater than your value on relationship with me, you are not worthy. You have diminished your worth. How? By diminishing the only, the greatest, the true worth in the person of Christ. So I said earlier that where I, where I struggle with the, with the contemporary literature on, on self-worth is to agree on what is my reference point. How do I decide my worth? How do I establish my worth The moral of the parable is not that you should try harder or work smarter in order to be worthy. The invitation of the parable is to orient my life around something that is truly of great worth. A worthy life is a life built around something of great worth. Who could we find as a reference point? Something or someone of exceedingly great worth and value that if I was, that if I was to attach my life to that, my own value and worth would be infinitely increased
Colossians 1, speaking of Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all of the fullness to dwell in him. Christian message at its core is that there is nothing of greater worth in existence than Jesus. When Jesus, who is infinitely more valuable than anything that we will ever know, becomes my life's highest value, I have infinitely increased the value of my own life. I am living a worthy life, and Jesus is the source of my worth. Because there is no one and nothing more worthy. In fact, my life is so valuable, I will not waste my time diminishing my worth by attaching my life to things of little or passing value. I will only attach my life to that which is of greatest value, the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, the Alpha and Omega, the resurrected King Jesus. We sing the song here together. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. No thing could compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. Jesus is of greatest worth. With this in mind, it goes without saying that orienting my life around my own goodness is also a way of diminishing your worth. If your life as a believer is worth the sum total of your own goodness, you have greatly diminished your worth. You are not worthy. Your goodness is not sufficient to give your life true value, true worth. Only Jesus is sufficient. Only Jesus is worthy. And if you've grown up in a religious environment, this switch is so easy to make. And it's easy to make without being aware that I'm making it. I have stopped pursuing him as the greatest value and have started pursuing rightness or goodness or righteousness as my highest value. And I 
feel a sense of worth to the degree that I've met the standards. You've diminished your worth. You've diminished your value by attaching your value to something that is so frail, so fragile, so corruptible, your own merit. The Christian life is not about building my own worth. It is about discovering the immeasurable worth of Jesus. It is about growing in the knowledge of what all of heaven already plainly knows and endlessly declares. Revelations 4, worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will they existed and were created. Revelations 5.12, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. He is worthy. He is the prize because he is worthy. He is the treasure of heaven because of his great worth. He is the greatest gift that you can receive because he is worthy. He is the foundation of life and the Lord of life because he is worthy. You cannot will yourself through any decision that you were to make right now. You cannot will yourself towards an appreciation of his great worth. You can only begin walking towards him, reaching out to him, saying yes to him, He is the prize. If you're here today and you are ready to build your life on the immeasurable worth of Jesus, you can choose to do that now. If you're here today and you look at your life and you say, testimony of my life does not indicate the supreme value that I place on Christ as much as I want it to. I want it to be more evident. I want to value him more. I want to treasure him more. You can turn to him today and begin taking steps towards him, just saying yes to him, that he would be of greater worth to your own heart, that he would be your heart's highest value.
Chris, I'm going to go ahead and invite you guys up. We have four ways uh, for you to respond at the end of every service here on Sundays. And I haven't actually talked about these uh, in the last couple of weeks in detail. Four ways for you to respond. One is through worship. Worship is uh, the heart's declaration of the great worth of, of God, right? Um, one is giving. When you give, uh, you're actually communicating the worth or the value that you place on the, the body of Christ, the preaching of the word, the ministry to the saints. You're actually saying, this is worth something to me. Um, when you go to receive prayer, we're going to have a couple people available for prayer as we go into worship. Um, you're saying that, that he, is, he is the only solution. Everything else fails, myself included. But he is worthy. And there's communion around the room. There's the, the wafer and the, and the cup, the juice. When we take the cup and we take the bread and we take it in, we declare yet again that my life is identified in this way with the life of Christ in me. He is my life. <clears throat> I'd like to have you stand with me as we go into worship. Scott, can you back up to the Revelations 4 passage real quick? these two passages one more time, but I want you to read them out loud together with me. Would you do that? I actually had someone tell me recently, it says in Revelations that everyone, all of the heavenly hosts are singing this as a song, and someone tell me recently, so I decided I should learn the words of this so that I'm ready to sing along. Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and because of your will they existed and were created next slide worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing God, as we, uh, as a community of people and as individuals, as we move towards Easter and the celebration of your work on the cross, your triumph over sin and death, your resurrection from the grave, would you draw us in to a greater experience you as King and Lord over our lives.
May our hearts be open to you. Would you make yourself known to us? We so desperately need you. Would you come even now as we come to worship? Would you meet with us? Would you reveal your glory, your great worth? Amen. Thank you, worship team. God is good. I remember uh, about 10, 12 years ago, I sat in a service like this, and I heard the pastor talk about the Lord in a way that I had never heard before. And I felt this call in my heart to respond. Maybe one of you, some of you, need to respond to Christ's worth. Maybe, if you're like me, up until this point in your life, you, uh, you were pursuing the American dream, which ironically is laid out in that parable, right? I'm going after the cows, the pasture, the woman. They just missed the white picket fence, you know? And I knew in that moment, all of those things cannot have the worth that Christ does. If that's you, I need you to do two things. You cannot do them just one. You have to do both, okay? You have to do both. I want you to pray with me, and then I want you to confess with your lips to someone in this room that you prayed. Okay? You cannot do Christianity alone. If that's you, pray with me. Father, Please forgive me for not assigning you the worth that you are due. Forgive me of the sin that I have borne out in my life and lead me into your presence. Help me to live a life with you, honoring you, loving you. Help me to know you to greater extents than I ever have before. Make me yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that, you have to tell someone.